are we tonight? Good. Let's pray together and then we will dive into the Word of God and see what He might graciously say to us. Let's pray. Father, we know that You're the greatest of all time. That there's never been any like You. There never will be any like You. God, there can't be any like You. You were God alone. You were faithful and You were good and You were holy and You were righteous. And Father God, we come before You tonight and we offer up praises, God. We declare on Christ the solid rock we stand, Lord. And we confess tonight that You are the only ground that will not shift. You are the only foundation that will not give way. You are the only one who can infuse and give life and peace and rest and hope. You're the only one. So tonight, God, as we come together as a faith family, as we week after week doing these Monday night lives, Lord, we pray that it wouldn't be just another night that we try to do something creative and different, but God, tonight would be a night that You would stir our affections for the kingdom. God, Lord, that You would break our heart over the race relations in America. God, that You would break our heart over the loss. That You would break our heart over poverty. God, that You would break our heart over our own sin. God, and You would break our heart for all the times that we turn away from You and run after our own love and lust and idols. Oh, God in heaven, we ask You tonight to do a mighty work in our hearts and allow us to see into the Scriptures what You would have for us. We pray it and we thank You for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. We have been working through, we chose for this Monday night live session, these four weeks together, the mission statement of our church, which is the pulse, supposed to be the foundation, the pulse, the heartbeat. And last week, Wayne taught on love and to love God and glorify Him through worship. And this week, we're going to talk about obeying God through prayer, Bible study, and discipleship. And then we'll get into venture into the world as His witnesses and equip believers for ministry and encourage Christian fellowship. But the theme, the heartbeat, the pulse, if we could all just kind of place our hand here, the pulse of First Baptist Church is supposed to be love. I want to read this statement to you and then we'll dive in. At First Baptist Church, we believe that God has called us to obey His commands. Can we amen that together? Amen. We see God as a good Father who has given us His instruction for our good and His glory. And we aim to please Him. He is not an overbearing and distant spiritual figure that we obey out of fear of retaliation. He is our faithful Father and merciful Master, and from that centered belief, we obey out of glad and grateful hearts. When it comes to obedience, there are three areas that we believe to be crucial to growing and maturing as believers in Christ. And these three areas, and we're going to talk about them tonight, are prayer, Bible study, and discipleship. If there's anything that our church needs to be known by, if somebody says, what is First Baptist like? Our hope and prayer as ministers and a ministerial staff is not that, oh man, we, we have some great music. Or there's some great preaching. The heartbeat and the pulse, the thing that we desire is that when, when there's nothing else, less, nothing else left, I know a church that will rally around and pray for you. When there's nothing else left to stand on, I know at least one church that will grab the Word of God and center it in their lives and stand on it with everything that they have. 
Oh, to God that we would be known as a church of prayer warriors, a church of diggers in the Word, and a church that is serious about discipleship. But we have to know to pray. And we have to know what prayer is. James 4.8 says this, Come near to God and He will come near to you. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to jot this down. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is intimacy with God. He says in James 4.8, if you'll come near to me, I will come near to you. So many times we think in our lives, God, you seem so distant. You seem so far away. God, you seem as if you've gone on a trip and I can't really connect with you, God. And the question to ask ourselves is, when have we drawn near? When is the last time that we have truly felt a spirit of anguish in our hearts? And so you know what, the, the TV, and I know this isn't popular, but we're just going to go here anyways, but the TV isn't really that important tonight. The game really isn't that important. I'm going to get on my face and I'm going to pray and ask God to speak. And this isn't condemnation I'm throwing on you. I'm, in, I'm throwing it on us, okay? I'm in the boat with you. When is the last time in our own hearts and our own spirits we said, God, I can do without everything else, God. I can do without food. I can do without entertainment. I can do without everything else but your voice. Oh, God, let me hear your voice. Prayer is communion. Prayer is also confession. Psalm 51, 1-4 through 4 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for my transgression is always before me. And against you and you only, O God, have I sinned. So tonight when we talk about being a church of prayers, a church of prayer warriors, it's not a church that's just communing with God, just having conversation, but it's a church full of people who are willing and ready to repent for the glory of God. It's a group of people who will rally together and say, we have to confess our sin. We have to confess the prejudice in our heart. We have to confess that we like that everybody sitting around us in our pews looks like us, smells like us, dresses like us, makes about the same amount of money as us, and has the same skin tone as us. There has to be a point in America and in First Baptist Church where we become confessors and we repent. Prayer is communion, prayer is confession, prayer is petition. When Paul was walking through one of the most difficult days in his life, he said this in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, this thorn in my flesh, but He would not. Nevertheless, His grace was sufficient. See, tonight, if we're going to be serious about the mission statement of our church, not only do we have to be those who commune with God, not only do we have to be those who confess our sin to God, we have to be those who are willing to stand in the gap and plead for the lives of others before God. We have to be men and women who will get on our face when there is no benefit at all involved for us and cry out to God for our brothers and sisters. We have to be a people who make petition a part of our life. God, we petition you on behalf of race relations. We petition you on behalf of the spiritual depravity that's in Tiff County, Georgia. God, just even in our own city, Lord, we fall before you. Make us a people of prayer. 
It's also intercession. Think about what he said in Luke twenty two thirty one. Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. Hebrews seven twenty five. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Do you know the great privilege that you have today as an intercessor? You get to link arms with Jesus. See, we, we live in a culture, we live in a community, we live in a society where so often we like to put on the mask and we like to paint ourselves up like we have no issues or we have no problems or we never deal with grief or anxiety or fear or depression or hurt or loss or loneliness. We like to paint up our faces and our outfits and come to church like everything's okay. But do you know today... That when we confess our sin and our struggle to one another, that we get to share in the, the relationship with Christ Jesus as intercessors. That means that I get to stand in the gap for you. When your arms grow heavy and your heart grows weak, it should be a great privilege of me as your brother in Christ to stand beside you, to hold up your arm and to go to God and say, God, not this one. I'm interceding on their behalf, Father. Father. See, we don't even know how valuable our position is in the kingdom of God and in the church of Christ. You're called to be intercessors. Joint heirs with Jesus. That means when you talk, God listens to you. Do you hear me tonight? Why in the world are we so silent so often? So many times in the church in America, in the church right here in Tiff County, Georgia, and First Baptist Church, we're quick to give opinions, but slow to fall on our face in intercession for our brothers and sisters. We're quick to share our own thoughts about race relations, but we're slow to fall on our face and ask God to love people different than us. We're quick to share our political preferences and views, but we're often slow to fall on our face and join arms and hearts with Jesus as intercessors. But not only is prayer communion and confession, petition and intercession, it's also meditation. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 63. He said, Oh God, you are my God. It's one of my favorite verses. I quote it often. Oh God, you are my God. Early or earnestly will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, I will remember you in your tabernacle. I will lift my hands up. My lips will praise you and I will bless you. I'll lift my hands up and be satisfied. David, the psalmist, said, At night on my bed, I think about you. See, if we're going to be a church uh, that is serious about our mission statement, that is serious about prayer, we're going to have to be a church that is serious about having God on our mind and in our heart. The psalmist said, oh, I think about you in the watches of the night. It also involves leaning in and listening. Hear this from 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the Lord was, and after the wind, the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, there was a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> 
I'm looking for you in the whirlwind. I'm looking for you in the fire. I'm looking for you in the earthquake. And God just wanted a conversation. See, so many times we, we get so caught up in so many other things that we don't take time to lean in and listen. When I think about this part of prayer, I think about the night that Jesus was at supper with his disciples and, and all the other disciples were sitting around and they were sharing a meal together, the last supper. They were sharing time together. They were talking and there was prophecy being fulfilled in an instant. But there was one disciple that just wanted to lean in. There was one disciple when everyone else was busy about their business, was busy about the dinner, was busy about the party. There was one disciple that said, man, I just want to lean in and listen. Scripture said that he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. My prayer as we transition from, from prayer to the word is that you and I would be a people of prayer that are serious about communion with God that we're serious about intercession for others and that we are serious about leaning in and listening to God before we jump to our own conclusions, our own opinions, our own ideas, that we would just lean in and listen and pray, maybe even pray this prayer, God, let me much like your beloved disciple lean against your chest and hear your heart beat. Because prayer is powerful, Amen. Do we believe that as a church? I'm going to read you three verses and we'll move on quickly. But Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. And what he says, and it will be done, whatever he says. Acts 28, 9, his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. James 5, 14 through 15, is anyone sick among you? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. Do you believe today that prayer is powerful? then I would encourage us as a church to begin doing it more and more and more. Amen? That the first thing that we lean on, the first thing that we jump to, the first thing that we anchor ourselves in is the reality that we have a direct line, direct communication to the God of all creation that we can call on Him and He will answer us. Woo! We get to pray, y'all. We get to talk to the God of all creation. And He is ready and willing to hear our prayers. Point number two, if you're taking notes tonight, is Bible study. Not only do we want to be a church that is known for our prayer life, we, we do, we want to be known for our prayer life, but we also want to be a, known that, a church that is known to be biblically sound, theologically correct. The Bible is without a doubt the most incredible tangible gift God has given to us as the New Testament church. God has revealed Himself through His Word and it, can, it contains in it all wisdom a believer will need for any and every situation. God's Word is our anchor through life. Since the Bible is God's self-revelation to us, it is all that He wants us to know. He wants us to know it, depend on it, and to handle it skillfully. Listen to what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly divides the Word of truth. Not only does God want us to be a people that are 
anchored in prayer, but He wants us to be a church. He has called us to be a church that lives by the Bible. I said it Sunday, God's Word is non-negotiable. God's Word is not just a set of nice cliches that we can sticky note to our desk. It's not just nice little anecdotes that we can add to our lives. God's Word is living and powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word is alive. And we ought to, as a church and a faith family and as individuals, dig into and live in the Word of God. Amen? I've shared this story before, but we're in the South. I'm a, I'm a Southern guy. I like to do Southern guy things, so I like to hunt. And I was on a hunting trip one time, met several friends and myself, and, and we, we took this deer. I say took lightly. We killed it. And everybody's kind of celebrating and, oh, yeah, woo, you know, it's the thing to do. People rubbing blood. It gets real weird in the South. You guys know that over animals. And they said, the deer's dead. I was like, all right, man, let's get a hold of this thing. Let's drag it out of the woods. Let's do what Southern guys do. Let's get a hold. And I grabbed, I remember the moment. I'll never forget it in all my life. I grabbed his horns and immediately realized that the deer could be named Lazarus because he came to life. And I'm holding this 200-pound, 150-200-pound animal. All of a sudden, I grab the horns, and this thing comes to life. And listen, it caused a response in me. (laughs) It did. I was forever changed. From that moment of the way that I treat any animal that I take in the woods, I walk, poke it with a stick, look like a little kid. As funny as that is, the Word of God is the same way, and we avoid it sometimes like the plague. If we would grab a hold of it, what we would realize is that it would come to life. And it would cause a response in us. We would be forever changed we would realize it's not just some dead, archaic set of notes scribbled down by prophets of old, but it is the life, the breath of God pinned on a page so that you and I might live for Him and by it. Glory to God. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is powerful. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. It is the soul-cleaning, listen, life-giving, soul-satisfying Word of God. It is living and powerful. See, Scripture didn't say that God lifted up His God-sized hands and began to craft the universe and, and thump Pluto out. Maybe, you know, like, that's not how it happened. He spoke. His word is so powerful that he spoke, and from the essence of his creativity, the galaxies unfold. And by his grace, he put it on paper for you and I to receive, for you and I to digest. And my prayer in my heart is that we would not only just be people of prayer, but that we would also be people of the word. It it cuts to our hearts, it convicts us of sin. And it confirms our identity. 
See, what you realize when you get into the Word of God is that really the Word of God will start reading you. And it will show you the places in your life where you need to conform to Christ, where you need to offer up more of yourself, where you need to lay your life down at His feet. But also confirm your identity. It will remind you that no matter how dark the night gets, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It will remind you that no matter how stained your situation, no matter how sinful your plight in the moment, that He is the Father that would leave the 99 just to find you. Being in, living in, and reading the Word of God confirms your identity that you are sons and daughters of a king. The Word is valuable. Psalm 119.72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. The psalmist said, Take all the gold and silver and throw it out. I want to hear His voice. And it's sufficient. Second Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for godly living through our knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and goodness. The Word connects us to God by saturating us with living content. Do you understand that tonight? The Word of God connects us to the heart of God because it is living content. It's not just words on the page. It is living and active I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, The soul can do without everything except the Word of God, without which none at all of its wants are provided for. I'm going to read it one more time. The soul can do without everything except the Word of God, without which none at all of its wants are provided for. We can do without everything, but we need His Word. We need it to saturate our hearts. We need it to guide our lives. If you're taking notes tonight, last point is discipleship. We want to obey God through prayer, Bible study, and discipleship. If we are not a church that is busy about the first two, then we will never be a church that lives out the third. See, if we never pray that God would break our heart for the lost, then we'll never be compelled to go and find the lost. If we never dig into the Word and find out that He actually commanded us to go and find the lost, then we will never go and find the lost. So this is a progression that we want as a ministerial staff and as a church, we said it already in in just a few weeks, this L-O-V-E, we're going to get serious about around here. We're not going to play games any longer with this idea of love. Love is going to be the heartbeat. It's going to be the very pulse of our church. And in just a few weeks, we're going to start rolling out some membership curriculum. We're going to start rolling out some some church identity curriculum that you're going to know about and you're going to hear about. It's going to define and underline some of these principles and these things that even you're hearing tonight, you're going to hear from Wayne next week and then the next week, or me next week, however it goes. You guys are on to us. You know what's up. We're either going to be about love or we're not. We're either going to be a people of prayer and a people of Bible study and devotion or we're going to maintain and just be managers and continue to do what we've always done. And I don't believe that God has called us to do what we have always done. I believe He has called us to reach. I believe our arms should not be fatigued from trying to hold up a system that we've had forever, but our arms should be fatigued from reaching to a lost and dying world around us. Discipleship. 
It is the very point of our existence. I don't know if you know this or not, but we, we, we don't exist so that you enjoy the music. And Monday night, this is, this is, this is our... I'm just going here, alright? We don't exist so that we get what we want. We don't exist so that we get to enjoy this building. We don't exist so that we can have nice lights and nice things. We don't exist so that we get our preferences. We don't exist so that we have traditional or contemporary music. We don't exist so that we can pick between a piano or a guitar. The only reason that we exist is because a man came, God came as a man, died on a cross, and then commissioned you and I to go and reach the world. That's the only reason we exist. And at any point we hang our hat on something other than that, then we as a church are going to fail. We have to be about prayer. We have to be about the Word of God. But by God, we have got to begin to disciple the world around us. We have to do it. If we aren't making disciples, then we are merely making consumers. Discipleship was and is the heartbeat of Jesus. He said, TJ, you, you said a lot about discipleship, but you haven't read the Bible to us yet, so let's go to Matthew 28, 19 together. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you. Even till the end of the age. It was the heartbeat of our king. It was the heartbeat of our master. It was the heartbeat of the one that we follow. So why in the world is, is, is it not the thing that causes us to get out of bed in the morning? Why is it that our 401k drives our emotions or the news as bad as the world is right now, as bad as race relations are? Why do those things drive our emotions and drive us to prayer oftentimes more than the fact that there are thousands of people within just a few miles around us that are dying going to a sinner's hell and we could stand in the gap? That should break us tonight. But not just break us, that should unify us as a church. Throw everything out the window and give us the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you. There was a promise. This isn't something that you and I have to bite off and chew by ourselves. Jesus said, hey, if there's anything that I'm going to be with you in, it's this thing. You can flip a few books over and find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus. He's with his boys before he ascends into heaven. So this is his kind of his going out message to his people. And listen to what he says. Go to Acts 1, 8 with me.
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. The crescendo of his time on earth. The last moment that he's physically with his disciples. The last few words on his lips. Guys, guys, come in, come in close, come in close. I know you're scared because I'm leaving. I, I, listen, I know they crucified me and many of you are going to die just like I died. You're going to die pretty brutal. Thomas was speared. History tradition tells us that Peter was crucified and that he didn't, want to, didn't feel worthy to be crucified as a savior, so he asked to be crucified upside down. Other disciples were boiled in oil, exiled. They knew there was a rough, rough life ahead of them living out the gospel, but this is what Jesus says. He brings them close. He says, hey, listen, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit because you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. First Baptist Church, listen to me tonight. You've been given the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed your sins, if you've repented and God's done the great work of regeneration in your heart and He's removed from you your sinfulness and you've, you, you've asked Him to be your Savior and He's imparted into you, He's placed His righteousness inside of you, that means that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. That means tonight that you have everything that you need to call sinners to repentance. You have everything that you need to love your neighbor. You have everything that you need to live out the gospel. You have the gospel of God living in you, breathing through you right now. All I'm asking tonight is that you would find a place on your face and become a person of prayer, that you would find your Bible and that you would open it and that you would find the lost and say, God, would you use me to help bring them to you? Because we are either going to be a people of prayer and Bible study and discipleship. We are going to be a church built on love or we are going to crumble. You have been given everything you need. You've been given the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I believe more than anything, God desires us to be a Christ-centered, cross-focused church. Church. To where the aim and heartbeat of everything we do is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and we're going to respond tonight. Have you prayed? It's real simple. I know like you hear all this stuff and then this is a real simple, right? Have you prayed? When's the last time you just kind of got on your face or maybe turned around in your pew and said, you know what, just kind of forget the pride and who sees me? Or when's the last time you came down to this altar and you said, you know what, God, I'm just going to pour my heart out before you. God, I know my neighbor's lost. God, you know what my, my family's financial situation's like. Or God, you know the racism that I deal with in my own heart. God, Lord, you know the bitterness I have towards even maybe some of the church members around me. God, you know what I deal with politically and how angry I get at those Democrats or those Republicans, right, whatever. 
When's the last time that you just prayed? And said, God, I just want to spend some time with you. I want to commune with you. God, I want to confess those things. I want to repent. Because God, I want to be a man or I want to be a woman of prayer. So that we might be a church built on love. When's the last time you went to your word? When's the last time that you opened it up and said, God, I need to hear from you. God, I absolutely got to hear your heartbeat. And when is the last time that you made discipleship a priority in your life? Not only the discipleship of others, but your own discipleship. That you reached out for community. That you reached out for relationship. I wonder if tonight would be a night that we just took a step together. We're going to have the, a, a response time now. And there's going to be some music played. And, and, and those three questions I just want you to answer in your own heart. And I'm going to open this altar this place, these steps, these benches, these front pews. I just want to ask you, when's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you confessed or communed or petitioned? Do you need to? When's the last time that you opened His Word, not as a duty, but as a joy? When is the last time you took your discipleship seriously? If we are going to be a church built on love, we have to pray. We have to live in this. And we have to love people around us enough to disciple them more than we love ourselves. I'm going to pray for you and then respond in whatever way the Lord leads you to. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, the gospel tells us that Father, that we couldn't make it to you on our own. But because of your great love, you came and you lived a sinless life and you died in our place so that we could have life and life to the full. So God, we just want to tonight acknowledge and thank you for that gospel. But God, I also pray that you allow us to feel the weight of our responsibility in carrying this gospel. God, would you make us a church of prayer? God, would you make us a church of the Word? God, would you make us a church that's busy about discipleship, that's busy about seeing the kingdom grow and expand? A church confident that the Holy Spirit lives in us to do the work of the gospel, to witness you to the world. God, we love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.